Hello, everyone. Welcome to Between Two Worlds, a podcast about belief, unbelief, and everything in between. I'm your host, Scott Trout, here with my co-host, Joey. We're very excited to bring a new episode to you today with my good friend here in the Netherlands, James, another Brit. He'll introduce himself. Uh, and, and since we're doing introductions, boys, let's do a little bit of the who we are, what we believe in introduction. I will start. So, hey, everyone, I'm Scott. I'm a believer in Jesus who is trying to figure out what is the best evidence I have for my faith. I'm Joey. I am an agnostic believer, which means there's something out there, but I'm not quite naming it. And I am a believer of today in Subway because I had that for lunch. <laughs> Hi, I'm James. I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm trying to do better. <laughs> Hopefully Subway gives us a product placement for that one. Yeah, not sponsored by uh, Subway, but hey, Subway, maybe, hit us up. Maybe one day. Okay, James, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Glad to have you here. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the past week. Give people a little uh, introduction to who we are, how we engage with the world. You know, as we've done in previous episodes, we've got our three adjectives, exhilarating, infuriating, and embarrassing. I will go first, uh, <clears throat> and I'm taking embarrassing this week. And it has to do with grilling, because I am not as good at grilling as I would have hoped. Uh, moved out here, and I've never really done charcoal grilling, even though my dad did, but I bought one, and I was like, yes, going to make this happen. And wow, those coals take a lot longer than I anticipated. And just last night, you know, we had people come over at 6.30, and we did not eat until 7.30, and then you like cook the few pieces of meat and then you're, and then you're like, they just have these coals that are ready for about the next two hours. You got nothing to do with them. So I rang on my neighbor's door and I was like, hey, you got a really hot grill if you want to grill anything. And he's like, did you use too many coals? And I was like, yes, I did. <laughs> I'm still learning. So that is my embarrassing story for the week. Awesome. <laughs> oh man, this is such a... A thing here in the Netherlands is so little guys that know how to actually use a grill properly. So it's not just gas you, it's barbecue. a lot. Just use a gas barbecue, it's easier. It's a lot easier. It's just instant, you turn it on and off, happy days. It's true. Gas barbecue is by far the easiest, but then I interact with a Dutch person and they're like, oh, but charcoal, it's got the flavor. And you're like, wow, well, I kind of want the flavor, so. Exactly. And it's more merry. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, you're just starving when you eat. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting forever. So uh, this week, I have an infuriating story ready to go. Uh, not a lot of people know. Maybe, maybe I told the uh, people in the third episode that I live with my dad. Maybe not. Um, but he bought a new bed this week or a few weeks back. And it should be delivered last Monday. It did not. So this guy was dismantling his old bed and you have to uh, call a certain uh, company. They will uh, pick up your old bed and move it out. Uh, the company that, uh, that my dad bought the bed from tried to call him to tell him that his bed will be delivered next month. <laughs> 
And for the last three days, this guy has been complaining to me that it's a stupid system and that it doesn't work this way and that we totally have to find a new bed for him sooner. But it's, that's impossible. Oh, bummer. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. So I'm just angry with my dad. <laughs> <laughs> James, what do you got for us? Um, yeah, I was accelerating. That's me, isn't it? Yes. Um, I, I, I went on a walk yesterday uh, along the coast up at Castricum. For those of you who don't know the Netherlands, if you look at Amsterdam and go to the coast and then go a little bit north, that's there. And uh, I, I bumped into some massive cows, which I, I, sent, well, I sent a picture of them in the group chat. If you, if you look at the there's a link there and at the bottom there's some pictures of these cows that they're incredibly hairy and look like um how most people did at the end of lockdown with coronavirus who hadn't had their hair cut and uh i guess i bumped in i was on a very long walk i did 17 kilometers yesterday uh and yeah bumped into these near the end and ended up looking at them for a good 15 20 minutes because they were just very it's very nice to watch them kind of yeah just chilling in the evening eating their grass scratching themselves with their massive horns <laughs> they look that absolutely was... stunning they, they were, they were, yeah they were, they were great just to watch one of them one of them went a little bit little bit for me and i just walked backwards very slowly and then then he chilled out but yeah oh they were, they were very cool wow it's intense well james we have you here today. We'd love to hear your story of belief or faith, spirituality, however you want to describe it. Um, and as you know, this is a podcast where people's stories are heard, and then we get the chance to discuss it, go back and forth a little bit on some of the things that you're going to be sharing. But why don't you start us off by telling us where are you from and how did you end up here in Amsterdam? Yeah, so I am um, uh, from the UK from a place in the middle of England called Leicester, uh, which is about two hours drive north of London uh, and uh, has the best football team in the UK. For, for any of you uh, and I, Premier League yeah. sports fans, he just yes. threw down. Yeah. Um, and well, yeah, why did I come to Amsterdam? That's it. For work, um, I was working out on cruise ships. Uh, and decided that working uh, for four months at sea wasn't for me. And I found a job here in Amsterdam or just outside of Amsterdam. So that's what dragged me to this country. What kind of job? <laughs> uh, so I am working in a training center. So we have massive simulators, which are like big mock-ups of ships, bridges. Uh, have you been there, Scott? I think you've been there. Scott describes it better than I do. Uh, it's Is like it? a great big video game for adults that James gets paid to play and he simulates cruise ships coming into the harbor of Venice or Hong Kong and, and then they make crash situations and then they have people try to get out of the crash situations and then he throws random icebergs into the scenario and it's all very realistic. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, that's my job. Scott describes it better than me. Huh? I, I crash ships for a living without without the insurance consequences. 
<laughs> so James, uh, I know you from the Navigators. Yes. That's how we know each other. Uh, he's in our community here in the city, meeting weekly, studying the Bible together in living rooms. Um, we were meeting down in Amstelveen. We started to spread out a little bit more throughout the city. So why don't you start telling us about your story of faith? Uh, what, were, what did you start with? And what changed along the way? What were some of the major moments? Okay. Uh, yeah, let's go for it. Interrupt me if you have questions and I'm not being clear. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so I was brought up in a household which was Christian and you have to go back kind of to my grandparents, possibly my great grandparents, the fine people who weren't in that situation um, and went to church well, essentially from the week after I was born um, and stuck with that church until I left and went to university. Um, and in some ways, my story of faith is a simple one. I don't know a time when I haven't been able to say that I believe that Jesus died and rose again and I'm saved through that. Um, so that was kind of my early story of faith. I'd say it's though it's not been a easy road. So kind of in my late teenage years, when I was 18, 19, I had kind of a, why am I a Christian? What's the point of this? Should I walk away from my faith? Uh, I kind of spent a good year just looking at why am I a Christian and what's the point? And at that time, one of the big influences on me was um, this idea within Christianity called apologetics, which is like having a defending your faith, but not necessarily the theological stuff, but more like the what's the evidence? Did Jesus really exist? Um, has like is the bible a fake uh is there any decent archaeology for it things like that um and at the end of that year i was convinced and thought actually i believe i think it's i think that christianity is worth it because of what I, the beliefs there in terms of and yeah the what it promotes i think is good and the idea of salvation for it was appealing and also i thought the evidence for it was good and so I went off to do uh, real life after school at that point, uh, where I worked as a sailor. So I said, I've already said I worked on cruise ships, but before that I worked on container ships, uh, which was a very different challenge with my faith because uh, you spend months on end working on board these ships in the middle of the ocean where you see uh, 20 people and that's about it and none of them were Christians and that was different because it was dealing with my faith while you're on your own uh, which gave me a greater appreciation for uh, community and just going to church and being with people who think similarly to you and how important that is um, I guess the, yeah so, and then I ended up here that's yeah that's kind of the short story of my faith that's really awesome i'm very curious to hear from you what kind of like experiences you had while uh defending your faith what made it solid for you that you were like yeah this is what i believe in um so i think so there's a cuff there's a book that i read uh 
called The Case for Christ. That was the first book. That was the first area we thought, actually, this is it, which kind of step by step goes through the what evidence is there for the Bible, how well attested is kind of the Gospels, which they're pretty well attested for that they are an accurate book and like what so does that mean Jesus existed almost certainly and the disciples almost certainly existed and then things like uh and then yeah kind of in terms of actual arguments I guess uh at university we used to have some good conversations uh on my Saturday afternoon our campus was in the middle of nowhere so we had nothing better to do than uh drink and talk about god <laughs> there at so, university yeah. was it was it mostly other christians or or non-christians no no it was more it was it was uh, so i went to a maritime academy uh, and most of the guys there uh, some of them had faith some of them didn't uh, i'd say yeah mo- not many people were reg- what you would call regularly practicing so i think I, it was of the 50 people in my class only two of us went to church every week. Hmm. Yeah. I think that's the thing that I find interesting is that um, you described, you have a, you had a period in your childhood where you were raised in Christianity. So it's not necessarily like you knew something different, but then what really solidified it for you as your own belief was the fact that you were surrounded in, in two different scenarios at college and then in uh, the sailing business. Um, You're surrounded by people who believe something different than you. And through the conversations with them, that seemed to solidify your own faith. Is that correct? Uh, so, ish, I think, so before I went to university was my, like, crisis point where I'm like, do I really want Jesus? Is Christianity worth it? Um, so that, so I was kind of, by the time I got to university, I knew what I thought, which is probably a good thing. I think university is a place where uh, all sorts of things can be thrown at you and I kind of knew where I stood by the time I got there um, but I think that certainly the time at university and at sea changed my attitudes to certain ways how I act out my faith especially the like throw yourself into church stuff when hmm. you're actually at church or yeah like if you have an opportunity to do something do it uh, with the church or with your friends because yeah it's uh, it's incredible how much you miss it when you're not there. Mm. Yeah. So what was the crisis moment that you had to go through? Um, I guess it was just, you know, kind of 17, 18 year olds. I, I don't know about you, but uh, I don't want to be a teenager again. Uh and you know, you kind of you're in a. I I say so the city, Leicester, the city I grew in, grew up in, is is a pretty unusual as a city in terms of there's no ethnic majority. So uh, I think the stats last time I looked like this: forty five percent British white, ten percent other white, and then forty five percent everything else. Like you have people from India, the Middle East, uh, coming over from the Caribbean, Africa. So kind of you you're exposed to a bit of everything uh and also just general teenager dealing with like what do i do with my life oh alcohol is interesting girls are interesting but your faith tells you to do something different is it worth it because of that 
and it just made yeah kind of a lot of questioning at that point of what should i believe is it worth it or is it not worth it um yeah yeah so scott and i ha had a conversation on the weekend uh, about this as well and i'm very curious to hear how did you deal with that and were the moments you did some unchristian like things did i do unchristian like things I don't think I did. I think I had a, I was, I was a fairly boring teenager. My, like, I think I quite, I was like in a position of before I jump, I want to know what I think. And then if I do jump, I'll go totally wild, which I didn't. Um, but I kind of, yeah, kind of, I guess the, you know, maybe I think the thing that probably pushed me, there was a girl I fancied and like, do I ask her out? Do I not? because she has a totally different worldview to me and like so is my worldview worth it or should I go for this girl and I didn't go for the girl which is a boring story but I think that was the bit that like started me on this journey of searching like actually why do I do Jesus um, James why do you do Jesus <laughs> uh, because I think that uh like the i do i do jesus because i there's obviously the bit that i can't explain that kind of the stuff there that i think yeah just isn't isn't normally logical but then there's also the logical things of so yeah so starting so yeah like the evidence that the gospels were passed down to us accurately the evidence that uh there was a guy called Jesus, the fact that uh, stuff in the Gospels links with the archaeology, that the, yeah, kind of all these issues. And if, yeah, kind of if you want to read more of it, I recommend a book called The Case for Christ as your jumping in point, because that's mine, where you kind of like, oh, this makes sense. And this, uh, if this makes sense and I'm not, silly for believing something i'm not believing something that is made up or yeah something definitely happened in the first century in judea uh, scott i'm gonna throw this to you can you write that down so that i can put it in the show notes yes awesome <laughs> yeah i've heard it described um that as far as jesus and who jesus was might have been in that book james but he was either a madman because he thought he was God and was just like super egomaniac. Um, and the things he, and the following that he had, people thought he was God. He said he was the son of God. Um, or he was a liar specifically uh, trying to get people to follow him when he, he didn't actually think he was. Oh, definitely. Was. Like, so we're in one of the, small groups at church i'm with with reading through the book of john and every chapter we're literally going through it kind of 10 15 verses at a time and every little section jesus is essentially saying i am either you know divine or the son of god or statements that if they were said by someone today would uh, get them locked up in a mental institution yeah yeah so, and then the the third option is, or he was who he says he was. And especially because he was willing to die for those claims. 
So that's like the real yes. test. If- uh, and also the guys, I think the other thing that is one of these arguments that is convincing to me is you had the load of disciples, all of which, uh, I mean, of the 12 disciples, 11 of them, uh, or 10, 10 of them uh, were killed for their faith. Um, and like these guys, I mean, if they didn't see, and again, there's the it's reasonably good historical evidence for this. And you're thinking if these guys didn't see this, why would they, you know, they had no, you don't die for something you don't really believe in, I think. So um, that was one of those arguments that I found convincing at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, same for me. And I think it's Jesus who died for what he believed in, for what, who he said he was, then his disciples. But it doesn't just stop there because it would kind of make sense if maybe the first layer were like fanaticals and they're like, we're with it. Uh, we're going to die for this. But the fact that people throughout history, uh, you could name any uh, century and, I could, and, and we could find martyrs for the Christian faith in each one of those centuries, people throughout the world who uh, didn't live in the time that Jesus lived yet believed in him so much so that they were willing to uh, be persecuted, oppressed, uh, thrown in jail for their beliefs, and then ultimately died for it. I've just been reading more about recently, yeah, in World War II and people who are persecuted for their Christian faith, a guy named Bonhoeffer, and stood up against the Third Reich because of what he believed and because he knew who he knew Jesus to be. And uh, yeah, so I think that for me is one of the big compelling points to my faith is the overwhelming amount of people who've been willing to be martyred, killed for their faith. Yeah, <clears throat> and James, I'm kind of curious, besides being murdered for uh, believing and, and, and showing that belief, what in your eyes is another way to show your faith? <laughs> that, that extreme that extreme step without dying <laughs> without dying but i think I, I think i try to live my faith out um i think by showing like being kind and being there for people um and yeah kind of if i have a friend in trouble trying to help them if i have a yeah so yeah yeah friend yeah friend in trouble trying to help them uh, being there uh if a friend is upset generally day-to-day um just trying to be decent is why i said at the beginning trying to do better because i guess that's like the there, there's very christianity for me on a day-to-day basis it's pretty simple like i'm not here to uh condemn people i'm here to try to uh do better by them um and that's often in the small things as well as the big things. Um, and I'm definitely not perfect at that, but I, I try. Which makes you a human. I mean, everyone tries to do better and no one is perfect in doing so. Uh, well, yeah, I think, I think I would, I don't, I don't necessarily agree that everyone tries to do better. No, I've no, met no. enough people who don't, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Could name a few myself. Not going to do that. Yeah. James, you've had an experience that I don't know a lot of Christians have had, namely the being on a ship, well, probably a lot of humans, just like on a ship for three months. Um, But specifically trying to maintain your faith in isolation. Mm. Can you 
show us or yeah, bring us into what that was like. What what brought you through that? What were some of the struggles that you went through in that period? So yeah, it's definitely not easy. Uh, so there's kind of so yeah. I I guess the first time I went on a ship, I wasn't necessarily prepared for it. So I was on a ship for four months, going between Europe and Asia and back. Um, and yeah, the, my only communication with the outside world was we had emails, and we could send as many emails as we wanted, but they were only allowed to be 1000 characters long. Um, so, and my mum managed to crash the email system because she used to send me news every day. And she, one day she sent me 80 emails and it crashed the email system, which annoyed everyone on the ship. Uh, but, you know, that was the year that Leicester won the Premier League. So uh, I was happy. Um, but yeah, so I guess it's the, the, the big struggles are like with community and it's, it's the same, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's an incredibly lonely place. And you see that with what sailors do uh, with themselves, you know, sailors drink for a reason, sailors go to see prostitutes for a reason. Uh, my, oh, what was my favorite? My favorite was the communal porn. That was good fun to try and avoid. Uh, but yeah. Uh, that was interesting um and yeah kind of you you don't have that structure and just the general friendship that you have when you're ashore like if i'm having a bad day i can give someone a text you can't even do that uh let alone seeing and catching up and having a coffee with someone just to uh, to be sad or to be happy with them or just to be with people and that's incredibly difficult over time um, and certainly I think it changed, mm, it, yeah, kind of, I don't, I got through it by, and didn't, yeah, kind of, yeah, it's, it's, it's very difficult. And I don't think that, I think I, this, I got learned how to deal with it as I went on. So things like finding the podcasts to listen to, being more regular, reading my Bible and catching up with it uh praying more often but it was it was a lot of work and i think definitely there were moments where like i know that god was with me and there and kind of like so yeah one example of this um and when you're editing can you ask me if i want this in the podcast because i'm not sure i want this story in the podcast um so we were just outside of Hong Kong and I'm, uh, I think I've been at sea for six months or so. Uh, I had like a week at home half, like after four months and then back out. And I was just like, I'm incredibly lonely. I can't do this. My friend's going to the whorehouse tomorrow. I'm going to go join him. And I was convinced this was going to happen because I was just done. Um, and I hadn't been listening to my podcasts. I was just feeling totally isolated and out of it. And for whatever reason, I listened to a podcast and it was the, I can't even remember what the sermon was, but it was the right sermon at the right time. And it just kicked me out and made me think, no, James, that's not the right thing to do for you or for the people around you. And you've got to, uh, <laughs> yeah, not go to the whorehouse, James. Uh, that's a bad thing. <laughs> Because, yeah, Chinese whorehouses, um, they're not as well regulated as the ones in Amsterdam. 
that's for sure. Um, yeah. Oh man, yeah, I will definitely ask you <laughs> if you want this in the podcast or not. We may. Yeah, that's fine. We we uh, checked the time just now, and I know how to edit this away if needed. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Although James, I appreciate just your honesty, and that yeah, you. I think that's a moment of realness, where it's just the the truth that uh, not everything within Christianity or life is shiny rainbows, and uh, temptation that everyone thinks through loneliness, isolation. How do I fix this? What what can I use to medicate how I'm feeling? Uh, Christians aren't immune to that. That's a that's a no, real it, thing. It's been interesting seeing. So obviously, we're coming to the end of the, at least the first lockdown, and how similar that has been in some ways to being on a ship in terms of you can't see people and yes I hope you have a bit more communication and maybe you're zooming a bit more but there's still that isolation and that loneliness and I'd say for anyone especially people who have been living alone during the corona times you'll probably that's at least somewhat of the feeling of what it is very similar to being on ship just not quite as intense I would say hmm. oh man definitely recognize <laughs> that feeling of not seeing my friends, not going anywhere, and that that type of lonely, loneliness and what that does to you, because I can tell you the unchristian like things are happening all the time because you're lonely. <laughs> and sometimes you're like, okay, maybe I should take a little break from everything and just go for a walk, and that helps a lot. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, for me, this brings up an interesting discussion on. What is the difference between uh, isolation and solitude? Mm. If there is a difference. Honestly, I would say that solitude is a choice. Yes. At least to me. Yes and no. Yeah, and you can feel isolated in a room, but solitude, I think, is where you are walking away from things. Mm. Um, Yeah. Like, I'm, yeah, I can, I, you can be at a party and feel like you don't know anyone there and feel like, oh my goodness, this is a little overwhelming. But yeah, solitude is me going for a 17 kilometer walk and looking at cows. Perfect example. <laughs> yeah, for real, because within the Christian faith, solitude is something uh, recommended. It's, it's a helpful part of your faith. It's actually how you, you get away from the world to actually be with God and, um, experience the you are alone with god and to be okay with that whereas isolation like you're saying james like you could be in a room full of people and feel very isolated i'm not known i'm not, I'm not part of this group no one likes me what do i do with my hands um and what are you doing with your hands wow if it's me my <laughs> hands are all over the place i put them in my pockets i take them out i feel sweaty uh but I think that's a really necessary part of being a mature human is being okay with being alone. Because I think most people run away from that at all costs. That's why they fill their life with noise, with technology, with alerts, notifications, shows. It's like anything to drown out the silence uh, or the feeling that I'm alone. So I'm, I talk to people or I call people or I check Facebook or I watch these shows and I think it's a necessary discovery to be, to, to confront that, confront why is isolation 
or loneliness so scary? Are you calling me out? I feel called out. <laughs> Joey, did I just describe you? <laughs> yeah, that's totally I wasn't me. meaning to. <laughs> but I mean, Joey, I think we've talked about this a little bit. Remember that time when uh, us as a navigator community did like a, a fast from social media? And it's because in a small way, for a week, we are trying to confront that in each one of us. Why, why do we fill our life with all this noise? So it was not necessarily, call- I think everyone no, I'm, struggles I'm, I'm, with that. I'm joking. I feel like, especially during the corona time, everyone's doing that on purpose, like throwing on as much notifications as you can for that type of contact. And because of your media fest, I did the opposite. I turned as, uh, away as many notifications as possible, <clears throat> which helped a lot. Especially if you're doing your uh, solitude forest walk, you don't want the phone to be ringing all the time. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So James, give us a picture of where you're at now with your faith. What uh, are you currently looking into? Where am I at now? Um, I guess I am still, I, I, I am assured in my faith. So I, I don't, those doubts that I had maybe however many years ago, I was 18, uh, are not there. I think I'm in a good place with a good community at the moment, which is great, which helps a lot. Um, and I'm kind of re-examining myself at the moment and saying, where could I be doing better? So again, for instance, so we were looking at John uh, with my church's small group and like, a theme that has come up again and again in the last few chapters is uh, Jesus keeps on saying he doesn't come to condemn, he comes to save. And I'm thinking, oh, I knew that, but am I consciously acting on that? And am I condemning people in my life? Am I kind of, or am I, am I not showing a heart of love to people in life? And kind of, I'm trying to be more conscious with that at the moment. Because uh, I know it's definitely something that is very easy to fall into. Um, like, yeah, I, well, it's the stereotype, isn't it? The harsh Christian uh, who tells you off for everything you do. I'm trying to think, am I doing that in my life with people around me? Mm. Do you? Do you have certain things that you see and that you're like, ooh, I'm not agreeing with that at all? I do. There are things that I see and I think I'm not agreeing with that at all. But then I'm trying to consciously then not react in a way that then is. It's, it's, it's always a difficult one, like where to condemn and where not to condemn, because there are certain things that we all agree are just wrong. Like if someone if someone at work is lying to me, I'm going to call them out for lying. Yeah, because they're lying at work or whatever. But I think it's the. I think it's kind of it's interesting looking through John. Jesus quite often just holds up a mirror to people and says, "You're doing this," and then says nothing more. Um, and then people tend to work it out themselves or don't, because. Um, nine out of ten times most of us believe the same thing i think about most morality yeah i I totally agree with that if someone's lying 
But also for the more extreme cases, if I see someone doing cocaine, I'm not going to be like, hey, that's a good thing. <laughs> keep, keep on going, buddy. I'm also gonna yeah. Be, yeah, you're going to be judging them nonetheless. I, you're going to be judging them, but I'm not going to so, say, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't have any, I, again, at university I did, but here in Amsterdam, less so. Like, uh, yeah, at university, I, I, I give you an example at university where I think I probably acted right like i had friends who used to do what is it well in the uk were called illegal highs which was essentially an illegal drug where they changed slightly the chemical composition so it is now legal and this kept on going going and changing until the government finally changed the law and i would always like you sure about that okay they go off and smoke and then leave them to it and then i guess uh, yeah kind of you don't you don't actively go, not actively going out of my way to kind of force myself upon them. And they're aware that I'm not going to be around them when they do it. And they they respect that. And it when things went wrong with it. And uh, there were a few bad trips uh, where people had to be driven home and yeah, reassured that they weren't dying. Um, they, uh, yeah, just like being the person who's there for people and yeah, not trying not to yeah, isolate. Yeah, try not to push people away. Um, yeah. Which, is, yeah, sometimes you succeed and then sometimes you don't. Yeah, that was my question. Uh, is judgment bad? Is it a bad thing? Hmm. So you can answer too if you, if you have a thought. Yeah, I'm also thinking about it because I, I think yes and no. I think you should always find that line, but that line is not always very clear. Like I know a lot of people that really deserve to be judged, but I think you don't always have to judge them right in their face about stuff. Yeah, you judge them behind their face to other people. <laughs> Trust me, me and my friends do that a lot. I'm guilty yeah, of that. No, but I. Yeah, yeah sure. Carry on, Jay. Carry on. Uh, um, so what I wanted to say is that we we judge them, but we also kind of accept that they are who they are. So we, you don't attack someone's image. It's not like we're burning them completely down, but we're discussing what people are doing. For example, I know a good friend who has a friend who does a lot of sex with a lot of different people, uh, sometimes married people, and we definitely have a very strong opinion about that. Like that's a no go. But this is still a friend. She's still good to to uh, my friend. So we're not burning her down. We're just trying ever so slightly to be like, hey, is this the best decision you can make right now? <laughs> and after that, it's up to them. So I feel like judgment can be both right in their face and also be just a little bit behind them, as long as it's not like very big gossip. Uh, I guess I'm, I've got, I've got a, a friend who, uh, the mid, yeah, kind of autumn last year was making decisions that I was not sure about, uh, about, uh, their relationships and it's similar to you. I was kind of like, okay, cool. I'll be there for them and they can do what they want. Um, and then, uh, yeah, kind of. I, I I thought it wasn't necessarily a good idea what they were doing, 
but I yeah, stand by them, be there for them through the good and the bad. And yeah, not be that face of kind of, yeah, judgment there. Um, I, d I think there is a difference in how I would act with someone who was a believer and not a believer. And that is the one thing I would say. Um, because again, this the Bible study we're doing, it's interesting how Jesus treats the Pharisees, the religious leaders at the time. He's very blunt with them and very much like, you should know this, this is the law. Uh, and you're breaking it as opposed to the people who weren't Jews or weren't necessarily believers. And Jesus was a lot more uh, kind of just being the mirror to them. And I found that that's an interesting thing that I've been looking and trying to wrestle with recently. Hmm. Yeah, and to add on that, I think a big thing as well, if if you know you're doing something bad, because that, that's something we see as well with the friend, is that uh, this, this woman complains a lot about the situation, um, only if you're actively doing something bad, you deserve some judgment, because that judgment will also come from a good place. So if you're complaining like, oh, this person is not talking to me, but you already know this person is in a relationship, then you then you actively complain about something that you can change yourself. So I think what, way, yeah. yeah, I think what I tend to do is just ask questions. And quite often in asking questions when you're talking to people, uh they change their minds on things. Uh so yeah, I, I had a friend who was uh had a massive argument the other week and I could kind of see the point of the argument from the other person's side. So you're just asking tactful questions uh, to try and hopefully get them to see something from a different direction um, without necessarily, uh, yeah, putting them in a position where they feel uncomfortable with you, which is difficult. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, James, uh, your tact versus my just like, I'm gonna say whatever's up here in my brain. Could be a little difference between the old British and English, or British and American. Yeah, we did, we did of... some, we, we, we and Scott did some dishwashing, where we go around dishwashing and uh, talking about Jesus to people. And Scott was happy to talk there for hours, and I was kind of like five minutes, okay, we've imposed upon you enough, let's leave. <laughs> yeah, me and Scott are very opposite there. Oh, it, was, it was quite nice to have the two dynamics just melding together. Man. Well, this is Joey's usual question. Joey, do you know which one I'm going to say? Yeah, I know what you're going to say. So James, do you want to do it? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. James, right. I okay. always end the podcast with uh, this, kind of, this type of question. So if today was your last day, what is the message that you are going to leave behind for everyone to hear? Hmm. Uh. Hmm. Can we start the next episode with my answer? <laughs> <laughs> sad, sad, sadly, no. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, what would I like? Yeah. Uh, Jesus came down to earth to save, uh, have a look into him. And if you want believe, because, uh, through him, you can have eternal life.
or something cheesy like that. <laughs> Dude, that, that's an awesome message if you ask me. Yeah, for real. Especially the look into it. I think it's important. Uh, yeah. James, you can always have an addendum in the next episode if you'd like to have okay. yeah. an addendum. <laughs> um, great. James, that is part one of our podcast with James. Thanks for being here. You all have been listening to Between Two Worlds, a podcast about belief, unbelief, and everything in between. Stick around for the next episode as we jump into a little bit more with James of what we've been brought up, or maybe something completely different, as is often the case with me. No one knows, not even me. So see ya in the next episode. Bye.